Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast code acast. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. I feel like criminals sleep in the jail, not not the sheriff. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast that reexamines the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer, born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. Jen, let's talk about that Super Bowl halftime show. Um, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's amazing! Fifty Cent drops down from the ceiling. Wow! Upside down. Oh. Hmm. Eminem takes a knee. Yeah. Well, I heard about that because. <laughs> Apparently, they told him not to, and now they're mad. You told Eminem not to do something, and you thought he was going to listen to you. Like, <laughs> what don't they understand? What's really funny, though, is I guess there was a lot of, for those of you, by the time this airs, this will be old news. Yeah. But I guess there was a lot of, like, boomers, like, oh, I didn't like that. And Gen Xers, like, this is everything we needed. And I guess millennials really liked it too, because they grew up with these guys. Well, as well. but I like they're like, oh, finally a show for millennials. It's like you were eight when this was out. Like, no, <laughs> stop it. You can't have. You, you can't can, have Snoop Dogg. You cannot have Eminem. I mean, Eminem. <laughs> I mean, Eminem is a little problematic in some ways. <laughs> right. Let's acknowledge that. But yeah, like you can't have this. This is ours. No, no, this is ours. But it was it was pretty good. I to be fair, I was like. Saying this is one of my favorite halftime shows. I've only seen maybe ten in my life. I mean, Prince was one of my favorite ones. I didn't see that oh one. Oh my god, that was amazing. I saw the nipple slip, Beyonce. To which Jennifer? There was, a, there was no. A, no. Well, that was Jan Jackson, but there Jan was a Beyonce half show was amazing. Half I saw show. that one. That was amazing. Um, the Janet Jackson justice for Janet. Oh, that's that was ridiculous. ridiculous. The whole thing was so ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right, Jen. Speaking of ridiculous. <laughs> We're going to look today at Little House on the Prairie, Season 7, Episode 3, A New Beginning. And if you're confused because there's also a new series called Little House on the Prairie, New Beginning, yes, there was. The description reads, Jonathan and Andy Garvey moved to Sleepy Eye in a quest to rebuild their lives. That's it. That's all we got. I, uh, overall thoughts on this? I feel, I'm like, is this a bonanza script? Because, like, it, well, although, when we'll talk about this, there is some through line, finally. Yay! I but feel that goes away real quick. But I feel like <laughs> that was just, like, interjected. Like, the plot mm-hmm. of this is completely random. Yeah, I'll, I'll wonder, hey, Mimi Karen, come at us if you recognize this from bonanza. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what was our bonanza expert? It's not us. Uh, 
Jesus. Okay. So we open on the Garveys packing up their shit and moving on. And Albert and Andy, who is clearly going through puberty at this Oh, moment, I know. He's such a, at such an awkward age. Oh, I feel so bad for him. Are saying goodbye. Jonathan Garvey refuses to say goodbye to Charles because Charles will be coming through Sleepy Eye next week, so they'll hang. Well, and I like how Andy invites Albert. Oh, you should come hang out for the summer. Like, yeah, Albert should no. go and hustle for the summer in Sleepy Eye. Like, doesn't he miss, miss his city hustling days? That's true, but did you see their accommodations? I'm not in a rush to get there. No, I no. know. They're like sleeping in a storage yep. unit. Basically. <laughs> So, Jen, Charles offers to get their house all cleaned up and ready for the new owners. How do we get a friend Where are my friends doing this? <laughs> Why are my friends not cleaning up my house and get my security deposit back? <laughs> Again, guys, is Charles working? What is Charles doing? Why does he have all this time on his hands? All right, so in Sleepy Eye, we see Jonathan Garvey, and he's buying a business, calling it Garvey Freight, and he's taking it over for some rando, and he has secured a bank loan, and I immediately tense up. <laughs> yeah, because it never goes well. Banking in this time was bad. He's going to get little housed. You know yeah. this. Yep. So Garvey asks this dude if he's going to miss his business. And the dude says, I've developed, I have a well-developed talent for laziness. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. And I'm thinking more people should be honest and put that on their Tinder profile. Yeah. Like when, given, think- the, when given the option. I'm going to be lazy. I think the world would be a better place. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jen, now some dude walks in, Pete Rollins, and I'm immediately suspicious. Of course. I mean, anybody who's offering, like, the private version of a public (laughs) thing, a service, is suspicious. Yes. He is their one-man peacekeeper. And Jonathan Garvey's like, oh, you're the sheriff? He's like, nope. I'm a private security officer. Uh, and I'm like, what kind of Blackwater shit Here's is this? extortion. Here's extortion. <laughs> so first I thought they were going to kind of go, and they do kind of, it has overtones of like a mafia mob situation. Yep. But I don't know. It's just, it's real weird. Okay. So Rando store owner explains that the sheriff in town is pretty much useless. And the deputy job doesn't pay enough for anyone worth their stock to take it. So they have to outsource their security to this smooth-talking mall cop. Why don't they just take donations to pay the deputy sheriff more? Jenny, do you remember how scared we used to be of the mall cops? I know. Like, there was there was a, a bridge that you crossed, right? So, like, you were maybe 13, 14. You thought they had real power. You thought they were cops. <laughs> And then you turn to 15 and, you're like, and, no, and it's like, fuck you. You're like running around, throwing things at them. I don't know. Not that I ever did that. If my kids are listening. Okay. So the smooth talking mall cops like, I'm sure you'll be needing my services, Mr. Garvey. And Jonathan asks, oh yeah, what kind of services are those? Well, as with any town, we got some new folks coming in and with them some bad apples. I'm really getting into the impressions lately. Should I go to acting school? (laughs) Nope. By the way, Jen, we had a request for cheeseburger adjacent merch. I know, and I already made it. (laughs) I already had it waiting in the wings. (laughs) All right, so he says, he's being a retired lawman. I've learned that people are willing to pay for my services. 
You see, I patrol all day and all night, seven days a week. Uh, red flag. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> That's not even possible. You don't take a piss once in a while, dude? <laughs> He's like, can I sign you up? And Jonathan Garvey's like, no, sir. I can protect my own property, but thank you. Well, and I have a question. Okay. So the, the law is out of control in this town. Mm-hmm. So he's not doing a good job. The lawlessness is out of control. Yeah, like, the, like, so, like, the stealing and the breaking of the law is out of control. Right. So he's not doing, and how long has he been on this beat? Like, he's not doing a good job. <laughs> Again, Jonathan Garvey might as well wear a t-shirt that says, I'm from Walnut Grove. I'm sure Johnny Cash has told you about me. <laughs> <laughs> So then they're leaving, and Jonathan Garvey mentions he's going to eat at the blind school. I'm like, do not tell this dude you won't be home. I know. Do you remember when Facebook first came out? People put all over Facebook that they were going to be on vacation. Like, you fucking idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so later we see what I'm calling saloon nonsense. (laughs) Saloonery. Or rabble-rousing. And men are, like, drinking and shouting and throwing bottles in the street. And I wrote, oh, wait, they're playing monkey in the middle. <laughs> Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> with a drunk and his bottle of liquor. Do you remember monkey in the middle? That was a thing. Yeah, sure. Okay. Like, it really was. That's what we did. My Ooh. kids, I should suggest they play that. They would be like, what are you even talking about? Right. Let, me, let me have Minecraft. So Jonathan Garvey walks by and one guy's like, hey, you looking for trouble, mister? And Jonathan Garvey looks at him and goes, it's past your bedtime, ain't it, son? Of course he has to fuck with people as soon as he moves into town. (laughs) And why would this kid just pick on this, like, six foot five? I know. Uh, Well, there's like ten of them and one of Garvey, to be fair. That's true. So Andy and Jonathan Garvey are having dinner at the blind school, and we hear some hooting and hollering outside, some rabble rousing. You have no comment on rabble rousing. I feel like we've covered this so many times. Okay. Like, Graham used to say it, it's funny, whatever, <laughs> ramrodding, rabble-rousing, we're unclear Ram what she was talking about. We don't know what she was talking about. Jonathan Garvey asks, is this a common occurrence? And Mary says, sometimes all night, and if they say anything, they get laughed at. And Adam says, they won't even listen to the sheriff. Jonathan Garvey says, he hears the crime rate is pretty high, and Adam says... It's gone down a bit since Mr. Rollins started making his rounds, but it's still really bad. And Mary says, someone broke into the blind school, and Jonathan Garvey asks if they know who, and Adam says no, but Hester Sue threw a hammer at them, (laughs) so they won't be back. And Jenny, I have a question for you. What? Is this hammer justice or hammer time? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's hammer time, because it seems like it didn't cause any justice. True, true. Okay, later, Jonathan Garvey and Andy are home. And Andy's moping. They live in their store. They live in their store. And Andy's moping, Jen. Imagine if you had to live at work. I was thinking about that. That like would if, suck. If you had, like, a bed in your office. Well, we know, you know I have a couch in my office now. So is that where you sleep? But it's like a little love seat. I couldn't sleep on it. Okay. Mm-mm. So... In one of the wildest moves ever. I mean, I even texted Jenny and I was, you should have heard me audibly screaming when this happened. They followed up on a plot. (laughs) (laughs) So Andy's moping and he admits to Jonathan Garvey that he's angry at Adam and Mary and he feels bad about it. But 
He says if it wasn't for their baby, Ma would still be alive. Oh my no, god! No, 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 no. If it wasn't for them throwing down their baby in a fire, <laughs> let's be clear: they had the baby in their hands. And it's not the baby's fault for existing. That's true. That's true. It is to be clear: it's Mary's fault because she literally had the baby in her hands, literally, and yes. put it down mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. a fire. Yes. Yes. And guys, if you're excited like me and you're like, oh my God, this is actual follow through and it's a thread line they're picking up and it's plot development, don't get too excited because we away. never That's see it. this again. It, it just goes away. Attention. I'm going to turn my page. You okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. All right. So Jonathan Garvey hugs him and Andy's squeaking. He's <laughs> like his voice. Oh, the poor kid. <laughs> well, and, and Jonathan recalls his existential crisis with god remember yes, he was he does. like yes he well does. i was blaming god and it wasn't well why doesn't andy blame albert right the person who actually burned yeah. down the let's yeah. check the official record it was albert's fault well and i wrote maybe he should burn down their new blind school there you go maybe that would be payback there you go um, <laughs> but i love how jonathan's like Back when we lost your ma, I blinked. I'm like, that was two weeks ago. (laughs) But okay, whatever. So they go to sleep, and then we see, I don't know what to call those rabble rousers, so I call them frat boys, but I don't know what they are. They're hooligans. Hooligans, thank you. I needed a name for them. Clearly hooligans. We see the hooligans stealing some shit out of Garvey's store. Well, did you see this lock? They just took, like, basically their arm and stuck it in, like, opened the lock. Only, Jen, they drop a crate of dishes, and there is legit action music (laughs) as they drive away. Like, this is really weird. Garvey chases them down, and then he runs over to the sheriff's. Now, barefoot. did did you notice? And this was a thing. The sheriff is sleeping in the jail cell. Why is that a thing? I feel like we've seen this before. I feel like we've seen it on, like, Hanna-Barbera cartoons. I feel like we've seen it for some reason, and I don't know. Guys, please correct the record here. For some reason, I feel like it's either a Mayberry or Barney Miller comes to mind. You're just making this shit up Like shows where they center around a jail and people sleep in the jail cell. Oh, God. Remember remember Barney Miller? Yes. Do you remember Fish? I remember Fish. He was played by Abe Um, Bogota. Abe Bogota, yep. There's a tiki bar on my corner. You already told this story. Called Abe's Pagoda. She loves Abe's Pagoda. It's it's amazing. Um, Do you remember Night Court? Yes. There was a jail there and people would sleep in that, but I feel like they were the criminals. I feel like criminals sleep in the jail and not not the (laughs) sheriff. But we've seen guys come at us. This is a thing. So anyway, he's sleeping in the jail and he doesn't give a fuck about this. Garvey's like, I'm telling you what I saw. I know who it was. I have voice recognition. <laughs> and he's like, listen, without positive identification, like, I'm done. The, I was like, I was just like, this guy's clearly in someone's pocket. Clearly. Next day, weirdo mall cop Rollins comes over with the town banker. Michael Landon, did he write this? Nope. Because Claxton directed it. Who wrote Dugan it? Dugan wrote it. Dugan, I fucking hate you. Because what are you doing? Like, why are you just introducing this rando because we'll need him at the end? We don't need him earlier. No, the whole reason he's there is to vouch. 
He's vouching for this guy's service. So I, I have a fucking bank and no one robbed it. But like, and that's it's not Chekhov's evidence. Gun. And it's Chekhov's gun. But that's not evidence because the last, the hardest thing to rob is the bank, to be fair. Of course. Yeah. Of course. But we also have Chekhov's gun because he is like, I carry this gun. Here's with. a gun. Here's Chekhov's gun. <laughs> this is going he, off at some point. And then Rollins and Jonathan Garvey have a weird conversation about gun safety. Yeah. And then the banker is like, he leaves and, oh, no, no, no. The banker and Garvey have a weird conversation about gun safety. And then he leaves and Rollins is like, oh, yeah, he shouldn't have a gun. He's the type of man who shouldn't be armed. (laughs) And Rollins is doing like a hard sell for his services again. And Jonathan's like, and he has a point here. Look, I'm a stubborn mule about this, and when I'm paying money for a sheriff's protection, it sticks in my craw when I have to pay double for it. I have an index card. Okay, sticking in my craw? What does sticks in my craw come Where does sticks in my craw come from, the phrase? Oh, that's a good one. It means when you can't swallow something, when it won't go down, it sticks in your craw. The craw is the crop or preliminary stomach of a fowl, where food is pre-digested. Birds don't have teeth, so they can't chew their food. Wait, are you doing an index card on birds? Is this the way you're getting birds past me? Yeah. Okay. They can't chew their food. They don't have teeth because they're fucking weirdos. Because they're idiots. (laughs) (laughs) So instead, they just drop food straight down their throat. Centuries ago, hunters... It just says centuries ago. Okay. No no, no clear date there. One century could be eight. Could be 18. We don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Hunters noticed that some birds swallowed bits of stone that were too large to pass through the craw mm-hmm. and into the digestive tract. These stones, unlike the sand and pebbles needed by the birds to help grind food down. So basically, like, fucking birds put sand and pebbles in with their food uh, and, like, grind it up in their mouth. Uh, what the hell? Not great. Not great. So um, these... Like, okay, so they... They have those that are, like, needed. Like, they have this fine grain stuff that's needed. Mm-hmm. But this, the bigger stone would literally stick in the craw, and it wouldn't go down any further. This oddity became part of the language of hunters, and the phrase was soon used figurative, figuratively. Hmm. You did a nice job with figuratively there, Jen. I, I just stole that sentence from somewhere. Okay. Um, birds are gross, and... <laughs> I don't mean to offend anyone who likes birds. I respect people who like birds. Someone's got to like them. Someone has to take care of them. I have a love-hate relationship with birds because I do have a lot of bird stuff around my house. Like like crows. Crows and stuff. Like like most people, um, I I don't like something because I'm scared of it. Yeah, you're definitely scared of birds. Yeah. Like when you were attacked by a bird. When I was attacked. Go back a few episodes. Hilarious. Mm Mm-hmm. So now we hear some menacing music, and the frat boys, the hooligans, have sent a, quote, delivery to Jonathan Garvey. This was so obvious. Who lifted that box? Because there's a grown man inside I know, of it. I know. <laughs> so, guys, there's a robber in the crate. And who's the dumbass? There's a robber in the who's crate. Who's the dumbass that agreed to do that? I know. I know. So now we see Jonathan Garvey head over to the hooligans, and he stares them down. But he walks past them to the sheriff, and he's like, look, a hooligan was in my store. They robbed me, and the sheriff still doesn't give a fuck. And Garvey's like, I don't understand this. You're wearing that badge, but you ain't no sheriff. And the sheriff, he's like, 
what would you do if you were me? And Garvey's like, okay, here's what I would do. I'd go yeah, he's like, CSI. I would do all this. I would do my fucking job. And he lays out like 10 things here. I would get a search warrant. I would search their house. I, would I don't even think phone, they need whatever. a search warrant at this time. No, I doubt not. it. Yeah. So Sheriff is like, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, but, he's like, yeah. Okay. But, but then the sheriff says, look, I'm not a coward. I just don't have a ride or die. He's like, he I don't have a ride, ride or die. die. I don't have a ride or die. And he's like, I'm not going to do this stuff myself because then they're going to beat me up. And I'm like, if they beat up a sheriff, isn't that a felony? Like, won't the feds come <laughs> after them then? Jen, there's so much wrong here. You know how I feel about, like, no rules or regulations. This is really, I it's was literally having a lot of anxiety over this. Yeah. So he's like, $30 a month is what the deputy makes, and I can't find someone. Those hooligans know it. Now, while this is happening, guys, the hooligans are literally outside taunting the sheriff. Yep. They're like, woohoo, woohoo. And then one is going, yeehaw, sheriff, come on out, sheriff. Like, it is like insanity. It's so stupid. So the leader's name of this is Tim Mahoney. And he lives with his father on a big spread outside of town. They have lots of money. Of course they do. And Jonathan Garvey finally goes, okay, I, I don't have a lot of time, but I'll be the deputy. And there, that's it. He's just ordained that's the it. deputy sheriff. That's no it. background check. No job no interview. No application. No. He could be a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> he could be the blind school murderer. And yeah. still, they give him a badge. Okay. So, I have a question. If they need a deputy that bad and there's no qualifications, why doesn't Tim Mahoney just be the deputy and start stealing shit? Why don't they just make the other dude the deputy? Rollins. Yeah. Well, we find out why later. So, now Garvey's out at Mahoney's farm and he's he's there to serve a search warrant. It's not really a search <laughs> warrant, but that's what I'm calling it. Garvey wants to look in Tim's room, and the dad is like, I'm in his room every day. You ain't going to find anything in there. Jim, why is the dad in his 30-year-old kid's That's room every weird. day? That's super weird. <laughs> so then Jonathan Garvey's searching, and he doesn't find anything, and then he sees an attic, and he's like, I need to get up there. I'm like, why? of course it's not in his room. And they're like, where could it be? And I'm like, there's the unfired attic stairs <laughs> on the set. They find a hole in the ceiling for the attic guys. They pull over a wooden table, and Jonathan Garvey, who's probably 300 pounds and 6'5", stands on that table and hoists himself up into the attic. Boy, they don't make furniture like they used to. If that was a table from Ikea, that would crumble like matchsticks. Nothing against Ikea. Yeah, we love you, Ikea. Sponsor us. (laughs) So cut to the dad and Tim. Oh, wait. Let me back up. So when he's in the attic, he finds a bunch of shit. Can you smell that scene? Oh, yeah. Yeah, musty. Yep, 100%. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Cut to the dad and Tim in the jail. Now, so they've outed Tim and they have everyone in the town has come over to the jail they have all the things put out, and they have the people who've been robbed are picking <laughs> yeah, up their shit. Like so the sheriff <laughs> says, Dad's like, what will happen to him? And the sheriff says, Tim will be tried and locked up. And Tim starts losing it. He's, like, begging his dad for help. Then we see, eventually, the dad cracks, and he starts talking the victims into dropping the charges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Garvey, start, like, at first, is losing his shit. And then the dad offers to bribe the dude. Right in front of the sheriff. Well, he says that. He also says that. Oh, I, Tim, won't, I won't do it again. I won't. Do, and like he already robbed Garvey twice. Mm-hmm. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's like, yep. I made one mistake. No, you didn't, dude. No. Mm-mm. So now we see um, the the kid going. I swear on my mother's grave. Oh Lord, I won't do this again. And Jenny, I have an index card. <laughs> what the fuck is this? who is tim mahoney i don't know i'm doing the index card just like you i don't know tim mahoney is played by john dukakis oh and if that name sounds familiar it should because he is the adopted son of michael dukakis oh the politician he was born in 1958 in California. He worked as a legislator. After retiring from acting, he went to Washington, D.C., and he worked as an assistant to John Kerry. Mm. And then um, when his father, Michael Dukakis, announced his intention to run for president of the United States, John left Washington and moved to Atlanta to run the Southern campaign for the months prior to Super Tuesday. Okay, so he did that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we know Dukakis lost. Yes. Right. Okay. Spoiler alert. So after that campaign is over, John Dukakis moves to Boston and he builds a practice representing professional athletes and then music acts too. And he developed New Kids on the Block. He helped develop New Kids on the Block. Okay. And he also worked with Boys to Men and Marky Mark. Would you say he invented New Kids on the Block? No, because he didn't. But he helped, he was working with them as they were being developed. Okay. 
So he retired from the music business in 2008 and has been living and working in Boston ever since. Hmm. Hmm. That's my index card. I don't know what the fuck that's even about. <laughs> I'm going to hang up. And you're going to have to do the rest of this you. yourself. I just want to troll you. Okay, so now Dad and Tim are So Don alone. Jr. gets off. Don Jr. gets off. Okay. So Dad and Tim are alone now. And Tim admits he lied about a bunch of shit. And Dad starts threatening him. Yep. Uh-oh, Jen. Now Charles is in town. Because <laughs> what, what did this episode need? It needed the moral compass of Charles Ingalls. Okay. So Charles comes into town. Unfortunately, fully clothed, 80s hair. <laughs> I'm like, Charlie Boy's here. <laughs> They're unloading a wagon, and Rollins comes around. And he congratulates Garvey on catching Tim and the hooligans. And Garvey gives Charles, uh, Garvey introduces Charles to Rollins. And I'm like, this is not going to go well for you, my man. But as he introduces him, we notice, zoom up tight. That there is a scar on Rollins' cheek. Was that not there before? I don't know. I don't know. You know what it looks like, though? You won't get this reference, but maybe other memes will. It looks like the Yellowstone brand on his face. Okay. Okay. So, Jonathan Garvey, before Charles leaves, gives him a list of shit that they're still looking for from the town that was stolen. So, they found, like, a bunch of silver and stuff, but they didn't find the silver serving set. Okay. Okay. All right. So he's like, I think there's a middleman selling this shit somewhere. You think? Like, what do you think? Tim is just going to hide a serving set in his bedroom? Yeah, like that made no sense. He's going to sell it. Well, they're not going to sell it on the street right there because everyone will know. No. No. Now we see Charles at the Olsons and Nels has been waiting for these telephone pads that say while you were out. This was random. How random was was that? so random. And Jenny... Did they exist? I don't know. I was going to do an index card on that. I don't even know if we could find that out if we looked it up. So somebody needs to It didn't sound easy. Mm -mm. So Harriet comes out. Oh, speaking of, I want to tell you about mom's Google searches. Mom does not know how to Google search. No kidding. I mean, she will do, like, I'll be like, mom, what are the COVID numbers in Pennsylvania this week? So what would you Google for that? COVID numbers in PA? Yeah. Yeah. She'll be like COVID-19 and she'll get on like a reporting oh, site and no, she'll start reading no. like the whole article. Oh, no. <laughs> and she'll be like, it doesn't say what they are in Pennsylvania here. I'm like, mom, oh include Pennsylvania in the search terms. What are you doing? Oh my God. Okay. Anyway. All right. So Charles, uh, Harriet comes out and she's like, oh my God, I found something. I want everybody to see it. It's my little triumph. So... Charles is like, okay, whatever. So he goes in, and there sitting on the table is the silver serving set. Harry paid less than half of what it was worth. She got a good deal. She got a good deal, which immediately tells us it's stolen. Yes. Well, now we know that. Like, if you're buying a gremlin for half off in a dark <laughs> alley, if you're buying a My Buddy doll... Well, behind no. a store a half from off, a crazy yeah. person. But then there's, if you're buying a Cabbage Patch Kid for four <laughs> times the cost, or a COVID test. Yes. Gen X pro tip. Don't buy a COVID test in a dark alley from someone at half price. So, she bought this at the general store in Lamberton 
Because Charles is like, um, I think this is stolen. <laughs> and then Harriet's like, do I get my money back? Do I get my money back? And Nels is like, no, you lose everything. <laughs> it was like Willy Wonka at the end. You lose. You get nothing. You know, that okay. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good day, sir. So, <laughs> Jem, what does Charles do? What's what's a what's a uh, moral compass peacekeeper to do? He's got to he go heads, confront this dude. He yeah. heads right over to Lamberton with the silver set yep. in his hand. Yep, he's going to confront this guy. And the dude there says, "There's a fella named Spokes <laughs> who sold it to him. He deals in unclaimed freight." And Charles asks what Spokes looks like, and the store owner says, "Friendly, well dressed." And a weird scar Ugh. on his right cheek. Motherfucker. It's Rollins. Oh, my God. <laughs> Charles has solved the mystery. Of course he did. So, Jen, <laughs> go figure. It's the slimy mall cop. I knew this guy was crooked <laughs> right from the beginning. So, Jenny, back in Sleepy Eye, Charles, Jonathan Garvey, and the sheriff call Rollins over. And he's like, wow, Jonathan Garvey, you solved the crime. And then, like Dateline, when they bring out the pedo, or they bring out the fake kid to the pedo, this Lamberton dude comes out and he's like, Gotcha. Gotcha. Motherfucker. So they haul him off to jail in a paddy wagon, I know. Jen. Yep. Were you the only one who was like, that paddy wagon's not going to hold him? No. He's too slippery. <laughs> the hooligans are outside and they're like, we're they're- they're mad now. We're fucked if he starts talking, guys. Because of course he is, and they're all involved in it. And they're all like, this is Jonathan Garvey's fault. And then they have a stare down. Later at the blind school, Mary and Adam are all happy that Jonathan Garvey solved the crime. Then, Jen, in, I don't know, the stupidest move of the episode, <laughs> Garvey lets Andy walk home by himself at night. Those kids are going to get jumped. It's so obvious. Do you remember getting jumped? Yeah, that was a thing. Getting jumped was a thing. (laughs) You feared getting jumped. And I feel like your kid's generation would be horrified. Yeah. By that idea. Penelope's going through a love triangle right now. And I'm kind of like the Gen Xer reflex in me. You're like, where's the beatdown? Is there a beatdown? Right. The Gen X reflex in me is like, be careful you don't get your ass kicked. Yeah. But there's apparently no threat of that. Wow. Which What's is, like? okay. All right. <laughs> What's it like to go through school and not have your life threatened? I know, right? I mean, they just have the, they just have the threat of shootings, mass shootings. So yes, they have a different threat. Of course. Threat. Of course. So Andy gets the shit kicked out of him. Yes. Jonathan, now we see Jonathan Garvey. He's heading over to Tim's dad's house and he's furious. He should be. And he's like, you motherfucker. I mean, these guys are adults. They're adults. They wore bandanas, but one slipped down. Like, we don't know who it is. Like, we don't know who it is. I know. There's like 18 people in this town. We know who it is. All right. So dad is like, let's go get my rotten kid. And they get into the the carriage. They hitch up the team. And (laughs) they pack up the team. And they get over to the saloon. Because, of course, they're in the saloon. Of course, because they're grown-ass adults. (laughs) <laughs> could you imagine this beating up little andy garvey so dad and jonathan garvey walk in and dad confronts him in front of everyone 
you piece of trash. Why did you? He's like, you beat up a kid. <laughs> yeah, like, what the fuck? And Pa's right, like, the his pa is ready to beat him up. Did you just hear that crack? Yeah. That was my knee. Nice. That's when my knee bends, it makes that noise. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so dad is not buying this because the kid's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Dad's not buying it. He slams him up against the wall. Tim admits it. Dad tries to punch him, but Garvey stops him. And dad is like, you know what? You beat up a kid. This is a public disowning. And mm-hmm. he disowns him publicly. Yep. Now we see Tim home packing his shit and rubbing a gun. <laughs> Great. This is going to end well. (laughs) I was just listening to our episode from two or three weeks ago where we were talking about Almanzo wiping the water off the saloon girl's back. God. Where are they in this episode? We have no manly. I'm going, he rubs one off and you thought I was saying he rubs one out. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Almanzo in this episode? Where where is anyone? Yeah, I don't need El- I don't need Elmanza. <laughs> I really don't. You got a break. Hey everyone, I'm in the crate. <laughs> <laughs> so at the Garvey's, Andy is beat to hell, <laughs> and he says he wants to get even with these assholes. Now, keep in mind, the premise of Andy being upset with Mary and Adam completely gone. Yes, never yeah. comes up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's over. Mm-mm. So, Jonathan Garvey tells him, don't worry, Rollins is testifying against them. They're going away. Suddenly, the banker shows up to give Jonathan Garvey a job that he doesn't want. He's like, hey, Garvey, you're sheriff. Bam, you're sheriff. We fired the other guy. (laughs) Outside, the frat boys decide they're going to rob the bank. And Tim Tim brought up a good point here. Not to advocate bank robbing. But he's like, I'm going to get my dad's money the easy way. Yeah, just I'm going to go take bank. it out of the bank. Because mm-hmm. no, don't forget, there was no money insured at that time. Like, if your bank nope. got robbed, that was it. You had no you money. You were done. So they're going to do it in broad daylight, just like Jesse James. But then his whole gang splits. The whole gang is like, I'm out of this. Yeah, like, Good well, luck, one of the gang members is like, you know the banker has gun fever. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, Tim pulls out his little pistol is like, so do I. For those of you who have not <laughs> seen the episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia called Gun Fever, highly so right. recommend it. <laughs> okay. So the rest of the gang is like, nah, I'm out. And Tim's like, since you're all yellow, I'll do it myself. Okay. And then in the dumbest scene I've ever watched <laughs> on Little House. Jonathan Garvey, hold on, heads over to the sheriff's. He's like, I don't want this job. What are you doing? And then a guy runs in and says, that crazy kid, Tim, is holding up the bank. And in the dumbest scene I've ever seen <laughs> in Little House. Tim and the bank owner are in a standoff with their guns. It was weird. I feel like it was the least dramatic robbery scene on television. Well, Jenny, what do you do if you're approaching a site where two people have guns drawn on each other? Um, I just let that play out. That's what I would do. You don't clumsily barge in and cause one to shoot the other. <laughs> yeah, apparently, right? Yeah, like normally, wouldn't they all stage outside and be yeah, like... Yeah, they would yeah. like approach this very carefully, not Jonathan Garvey. 
He just, bam, opens that door like a bull in a china shop. And guess what? The banker shoots Tim. And I just have, well, that problem solved itself. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute here. Classic, classic Claxton here. The banker shoots Tim and the banker's like, oh, shit, I didn't mean to shoot him. Boom, cut to his funeral. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. They, Claxton and Landon are big fans of boom, cut to the funeral. Cut to the funeral. <laughs> like, you don't even have time to digest. You don't even see him laying on the ground, nothing. No, you don't even have time to digest that he's dead. They didn't want to pay for wings off. Oh, my God. Must not. I just wrote, wow, that escalated quickly. <laughs> so now we see the sheriff, Jonathan Garvey, and the banker. And the banker's like, wow, you warned me. And I'm sorry. That scared boy never would have shot. I should not have had that gun. And Garvey's like, I fucking told you so, dude. Yep. I told you so. And now a kid is dead. <sighs> so the banker then says... I really want you to come back, Sheriff. Just or He wants Garvey to stay on sh- as deputy. And Garvey's like, only if I have the sheriff back. So whatever's happening, I don't know. I don't know. And that's it's, it. It's crazy how people get jobs. Yeah, we're not On these shows. Like. So that's end of episode, Jen. Thoughts? It was terrible. It was really bad. Like, I don't, I don't know what they could have done better. Anything? I mean, it just... Again, it's another episode of, like, why Why is this... Why do we care? Right. Why? Yeah. Like, I well, guess it's to move Jonathan and Andy's storyline along, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Down. It doesn't move it along. It started to. You start to talk about how he hates Mary and Adam and all. Mm-hmm. And, like, that started to put them somewhere down the line of getting over this. But you have to call on me. What? Amy. <laughs> oh, my God. You're such a bitch. <laughs> Don't ever be a teacher. (laughs) What they could have done is they could have had an episode where Andy was really struggling with depression and losing his mother. Yeah. Maybe he starts doing drugs. Maybe he starts stealing things. In Walnut Grove. And he's really struggling. And Jonathan is, you know, at his wit's end, he doesn't know what to do. Andy's blaming Mary. So they have a confrontation where, you know, Andy and Mary maybe have a heart to heart. They try to mend this over. Then at the end, the Garveys leave saying goodbye to everyone. Like, that would have been a nice episode. Yeah, but that's not what we got, is it? Or maybe Andy could have lured Mary down to the creek and put a gun to the back of her head and (laughs) threw her right in there. Creek justice. Or, like, maybe Andy turns to a life of crime because he's so distraught. Maybe. And then, like, they work out why. Maybe Andy tries to murder Albert. Maybe. You know, that would have been... They're pretty evenly matched. Yeah. Imagine that fight scene. They would have been, like, fighting, and all you'd hear is Andy squeaking. <laughs> I don't know what that means. His voice squeaks. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Jenny, whose fault is this? It's Jonathan's. I don't even have anybody's It's Jonathan's. Cause it's just, everybody's fault. He's got... He just has to get in everyone's business all the time. He wasn't doing anything. He immediately started fucking around with those those hooligans. So then that started a whole thing. No, he didn't. He was walking his son back. I can't believe you're putting me in position to defend Dollar Store <laughs> Ride or Die. He's walking back home with his son at night. And the, the, the hooligan Tim is like, you want trouble, mister? That's because Jonathan grabbed the bottle and gave it back to the drunk. Oh, I don't blame him. Social justice warrior. Yes, he he's Good like Laura, him. and then he has to get up in everyone's business. 
You would you would let an old man be abused in front of you? No, but I'm just saying, like, all of the things that happen next stem mm-hmm. from that thing. Okay. Like, I'm not saying what he did was wrong. I'm just saying that he he did it. You know who I'm going to blame? Mary. <laughs> Why? <laughs> if she didn't put that baby back down, Alice would be alive. Is it Alice? Is it Alice? Yes. 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 Who's Edward's wife? Grace. Grace. Um, Alice would be alive, and they would not have had to move. If Albert wasn't smoking in the basement, then the fire wouldn't have started. I blame Clay. It's definitely Clay's fault. <laughs> Clay and his clay pipe. <laughs> What's Clay's middle name? I don't know, Alabaster. <laughs> All right, Jenny. At the end, end of every episode, we look back on theme or lesson, something we took from the episode or the rewatch, and think about how it affected us as Gen Xers. We call it our why. It's designed to finish the sentence. Gen X, this is why. What is your why for this episode? This is why I'm so paranoid when I'm unlocking my door like a total freak. Like what? when I'm when I'm at like when I'm at my door with my key and oh, like I'm unlocking yeah. it, like I'm a total yeah. freak. Like making sure no one's around me. If someone like walks close to me, I get all weird about it. Oh, it's a whole thing. It's a whole mm-hmm. thing. Um, do you feel like that's just from being a woman? Probably. Yeah. 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 But maybe it's from seeing like home invasions and things like this. Because mm-hmm. that's what Andy was like unlocking the door. Yes. Yes. Oh, Timmy Lafayette just pulled up. Fucking beetle. I have, this is why you should leave the shooting to the police. Yep. This is why you should leave the law to the law. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to have a gun, I understand there are some communities where they feel they need a gun because police response is slow and stuff like that. That's fine. Just be trained on how to use it and keep it locked up properly. That's all. That's my, that's my gun rant. Okay. And it was pretty, pretty mild. Yes. All right, Jenny, why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next? Um, something real terrible, I'm sure. <laughs> wow. Guys, don't forget, we're doing Golden Girls on Patreon now. We are loving it. We are going to do Divorce Walnut Grove style. Mm. The description reads, so we're skipping a couple episodes. So this is episode seven, season seven. Mm. Newlyweds Laura and Almanzo have have been having some relatively harmless arguments lately, but it reached a whole new level when Laura suspects that he's cheating on her, then decides to leave him. Wow. (laughs) Elsewhere, Charles is a proud owner of a new glass window, but installing it is a little more challenging than he anticipated. I think I remember this. Oh, Jenny, do you remember Dad put a glass window in our front door? No. And stepped on it and broke it? (laughs) all right guys so thanks so much for listening as i mentioned we are doing golden girls um over on patreon we do two into one episode so it's about an hour long episode we cover two episodes and then we do a blockbuster so for for february we did night of the comet for march we're doing greece so head over to patreon.com slash Gen X This Is Why. If you want bonus content, it's five bucks a month. Helps us keep things going. And um, other than that, I mean, check out our show notes. We have how to email us, how to find our website, and Jenny put some good merch in the merch shop. And don't forget, join the Mimi Bees if you're not in there already, because next week we'll be picking a winner for our giveaway, which is a Trust No One tumbler, stainless steel tumbler. Very nice. Jenny got right in on that tumblr culture (laughs) and all you have to do is be a member of the group 
That's it. So visit GenXThisIsWhy.com for more info on that. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.